Welcome, 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 welcome everyone to Sammy Sometimes, a podcast with me, Sammy Lee. And this week is Career Day with Chris LaRusso, an editor on the groundbreaking hit TV show, How to Get Away with Murder. I love that show. I am here for it. Cannot wait to see how it all ends. He shares a key tip for making it in the film and TV industry, how it's never too late to make your dream a reality, what it's like working in Shondaland, and that a three-month-old baby has the power to bring a grown man to tears. So excited for this, y'all. But before we get into it, just want to give you a little warning. This contains some strong language, so you know you're ready for it. Ma, you might want to skip this one. Okay, guys, let's get into it. Oh, congratulations on welcoming a baby into the family. Yeah, yeah, that's that has happened. Yeah. <laughs> she's almost uh she's gonna be three months on the 18th uh, of this month oh my so. god that's wild how's uh so how's that been um it's you know uh one day it's the greatest thing you feel like it's the greatest thing you could have ever done and the other day it's the worst decision you've ever made um <laughs> I guess not, not even days like that's like every hour really like every hour it's like oh this is amazing and then the next hour you're like I fucking can't stand this holy <laughs> shit this is a lot of work like everyone you know has told has told me you know hey this is it's hard it's all it's rewarding but you know it's really fucking hard and then it it happens and you know it's hard but when this thing is screaming and it wants it's when she wants her bottle or whatever the hell she wants like it is you're just depressed and you can't figure it out and yeah it's rough um yeah i yeah, yeah there's there's sometimes i'm like man we totally should have gotten a third dog <laughs> i don't diff- think that's the equivalent well the, here's the di- the big difference is that like when you feed a dog they're like, dude, you were the greatest person in the world. Like, you were my best friend. I fucking <laughs> love you. You fed me. That is awesome. I you worship feed a baby, you. Yeah, you feed a baby, and they are like, why don't you fuck yourself and make me another bottle also, asshole? <laughs> <laughs> They're a little demanding. It's, I mean, it's a temporary time, right? Oh. So savor it now, because pretty soon they'll be out the door. No, it's it's awesome. Like when she's all playful and giggly and, you know, happy and uh, we're, we do a, a game called uh, Teddy Bear Mosh Pit and uh, I just like cover her in teddy bears and she kicks them off while I play different like old heavy metal music for her. It's awesome. <laughs> Does she have a particular song that she's she gets really excited about when you when you play it for her? It's more like, like just bands than songs like she really likes Talking Heads what else has been like in her play? Uh, Paul Simon, a lot of early Paul Simon has been working well with her. Um, she dug Metallica, but she did not like the Misfits. But we played uh, Ride the Lightning and Kill 'Em All, and she was really into those albums. So, and then for kids' music, Casper Baby Pants has been pretty big for her. I don't know what you just said. I don't know those words. Casper Baby Pants? Yeah, so... Sorry. You, you remember, <laughs> there's a 90s band called The Presidents of the United States of America. They did the song Peaches. It was a pretty big hit. The lead singer of that band, I guess he just, as he got older, he had kids with his wife or whatever, and he started singing songs and then started becoming like a popular kids song-like guy, Casper Baby Pants. 
and it's the shitty part is they're really catchy and like some of the songs are really good like emotional robots my favorite so are you listening to this without her on your like drive into work I've done a couple times. It's like showed up in a few playlists. I have <laughs> some of the songs are pretty good. Otherwise, like we've been trying our best to stay away from kids songs. You know, it's like you want to like we want to play Bowie Prince. She's she really likes Prince like Prince like relaxes her. She's really into that. Oh, she so, has great taste. OK, yeah, this she's is my kind of girl. Awesome. She's super awesome when she's being awesome and not screaming and everything. She's awesome. Okay, so what is it that you do? So I am an editor on the TV show How to Get Away with Murder. The showrunner on How to Get Away with Murder is Peter Nowak. He created the show. He was a writer at Shondaland, and the pilot was submitted by Shondaland to ABC, and they you know, made the pilot, and they picked up the show. So Shonda has been involved in the show, but it is Peter's show, and we work really close with uh, Peter Nowak. Oh, that's so cool. I do love that show. I'm I'm a huge Shonda Rhimes fan. I do love Grey's Anatomy and um, Private Practice. Did she do Private Practice as well? I think that was a spinoff of Grey's. Yes, Private was a spinoff of Grey's, and now there's Scandal. a new spinoff. Yep, Scandal. I worked on Scandal. Yeah. I worked on Grey's. Yeah, I've like been in the room with Shonda working. She is a powerhouse. It's fascinating to watch her work. Like she just digs into the episodes and knows exactly what she wants and just goes after it. And we figure it out. So. What began your journey into wanting to work in film or TV? Some of my earliest memories were taking my Star Wars action figures. And I had this like playset. Uh, I think it was like pieces of like a Hoth playset or something. And you could stand the figures on. It had little pegs that would hold the figures standing up. And I'd position them in different ways. And I'd take Polaroids of them. And I'd try and make flip books of them moving. But I was really young. I was like, uh, I want to say seven or eight. They were terrible. Like, it did not make any sense. Like, I would once I put it all together, I'd, like, question my mom why things aren't moving and why the spaceships aren't there. Like, my mom's just, like, not even understanding how. She's like, how do I explain this to you? Like, you didn't make a movie. Like, like it's just a Polaroid and you didn't really do much with it. But I, I, I always equate that to, like, my earliest memories of, like, wanting to be part of making movies, even though I didn't really understand what the hell I was doing. And then through the years, just watching movies and getting more and more interested and getting obsessive over just how movies that I loved were made and, you know, going to different nerdy movie conventions and stuff until my uh, what had happened was this, is I guess, brings it down. This is the sad part. Um, my dad had gotten really sick a little after I graduated high school. And I took care of him. Uh, he had uh, stage four carcinogenic, I believe it was carcinogenic cancer or like a carcinoma. And uh, I took care of him for about two and a half years. He passed away. Uh, we had moved to Florida at that point from Connecticut. You know, I was kind of before that all happened, even though I was still obsessed with film, I was just a drifter. I didn't really like, I wasn't pushing myself to do much. Uh, I just kept thinking like somehow I'll make a movie. After he passed away, that's I had like kind of a hard year of just like dealing with it. And then I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to go to film school. I'm going to, you know, learn how to make movies. Wow. That's I mean, that's that's hard. I mean, it's hard to take care of a parent when they're sick. How long after all of this did you decide, OK, yeah, I want to go to go to film school? It was it was about a year, year and a half, I think, around there where I just kind of. I was barely working. I was barely doing anything. Like it was a bit of a basket case from it. 
I made a, I think I pushed myself. I made a short film. It did a couple tiny, teeny tiny little festivals. And I used that to uh, get into the international Miami international university of art and design, which then turned into an art Institute, I think. And cause I didn't want to be too far from my mom. So that was about like a five hour drive from where she was. So if there was any need for me to just like shoot home, I could, uh, though, you know, I live close to the college, but, uh, I, I could just get home, you know, cause she was, you know, dealing with a lot as well. So. Yeah. I mean, that's how we met was going to school and I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that you had all of that going on at the time. Like you definitely was so enthusiastic about film and editing. I just right. I yeah, I mean, never see that. That's you know how do you how do you break that ice too? Like hey guys, uh, so anyways, my dad just died, and uh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not um, not not the way you start stuff. So yeah, fair. <laughs> so how old were you then? Oh God, I must have been. Let's see if I got out of there. I must have been like. 25 or 26 I was, it was later in life I probably like after high school I didn't know what to do and that was like a year or two and then uh my dad got sick and then I went to uh you know then we moved to Florida from Connecticut and then yeah so was, I think it was like 20 I was 25 26 so much of it honestly is such a blur at this point where I like look back I'm like holy shit that was like over 10 years ago it was just figuring out how to suddenly become an adult from like being just a a raggedy kid that like really had no idea what the hell he was going to do with his life. Like I had a, I wanted to just do this one thing, but it's such a hard thing to fucking do. So. And especially in Florida, like Florida isn't, I mean, now, yes, there's movies that are made in Florida, but I think when you're trying to break in, at least from what I remember of it, it's a very hard industry to, to crack. It's awful. I mean, while I was in school, I was trying to, I was, you know, cutting my own short films, but I was trying to just like, I think I used Craigslist. I used whatever I could, or uh, Mandy.com. I don't even know if that exists anymore for like film jobs of just offering nearly free editing services to like cut little things here and there. And like, I help people cut class projects and other stuff to just like, when I, when I finally, like early on, I think my first, like, year school I realized I really liked editing I just kind of went after it as much as I could you definitely had a talent I think that kind of came natural to you that was just very intuitive compared to a lot of people and 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 people I think sometimes assume that editing is just cut paste cut paste but there's a nuance to it because that's, that's the second time you get to retell this story right you're reshaping your sometimes rewriting as the editor, you're not the only person working on it. Like sometimes you're working with the producer. Sometimes you're working with the editor. Sometimes it is just you like seeing if it plays real slow, plays totally different. If you just speed it up in general, just for a real simplistic idea. So yeah, it's, you know, you're coming up with the moments of when do we really reveal this, whatever it is, this thing. or Working on these various projects, doing your own project, and continuing to go through school. Like, how did you manage to cover all those things? So I was fortunate that my dad had left me a little money when he passed. And I used that to go to school and to, uh, you know, pay pay my rent. I lived in a real bad part of town in a terrible apartment. So it was not very expensive. And so I didn't need a job while I was going to school. And that kind of helped me do all this extracurricular stuff 
while also doing all my schoolwork and everything. And not that I got the best of grades anyways. So I'm sure, you know, I slacked off on some of my classes that I wasn't as interested in. Well, I feel like that's, you can kind of get away with that when it comes to like film school. No one's really, when you get out of, get out of school, no one's asking, so did you get an A on a final project? They're asking, can you do this? Where have you worked? You know, doing all these off jobs, they were building up your, your resume. So like, what was the first real job you had coming out of, of college? The first true job I had was when I uh, moved to California. As soon as I graduated, maybe like seven or eight months after I graduated, when uh, Elise was up, me and a friend moved out to California. You head out there. Is it exactly what you think it is? Are you surprised? How did you figure out this this new environment? Well, I had already been out there, me and some friends, and like almost... 10 years earlier had gone out for a few weeks and just like bummed around California. And it was awesome. I had a little family. I have an aunt that lived out here. So we were able to stay with her for a bit until we got our own place. My uncle had been in the editing world. He wasn't like a blood uncle, but he was still friends with my aunt. Though they were divorced, it's kind of weird. He brought me around to a couple people he knew and I got like a post PA job on an indie film like a super, super low budget indie picture. And then um, through that, it turned into, I ended up being the finishing editor on that movie. And that was, that was my first job. It actually ended up, I came out to California, I met all these people, and then I got this job on this movie and had to go to Virginia for the movie. Oh. (laughs) Um, So then I was in Virginia for like, I think like five months on the movie. It's called Calamity with a K. It's a Nick Stahl dramatic thriller. So then walk me through it. So, all right, so you you get this job. You're like, yay, I'm in California. I got my first gig. Oh, I'm going to Virginia for X amount of months. (laughs) And then you you hop on back to California. And then what was it like then at, at that point after this? Was it easy to find work within the industry? Or did you have to like supplement here and there doing odd, odd jobs just to kind of like maintain your lifestyle? So from there... From there, I assumed all right, I ended up like kind of cutting this movie. It was just happenstance the way it all kind of felt fell into place. And uh, like I had to join the union to do it. And I was uh, a union editor. And I just assumed I would just be handed work when I got back to California. That didn't happen at all. <laughs> Wake up call, right? Right. So it was just like, fuck. And I had to I just took like. I found like little short films or like web ads, web shows, and I was just cutting from home all these little things until I got hired as a night assistant editor on um, a show called Sports Crash, which is like a late night. Essentially, they get, you know, crashes or accidents that happen in different sports, just have voiceover kind of making funny comments or serious comments about them. The most famous of them is uh, Whacked Out Sports. That one still gets played at night. It's the same producers of that show made Sports Crash and then made the other show I worked on, uh, Knockout Sports World. For how much those jobs were rough, uh, they were they were not easy jobs. At the same time, like I learned a lot technically that I didn't know on those jobs, so they definitely helped me. But you know, it's not it wasn't my bag of uh, you know type of programming that I wanted to work on. 
how did you start to maneuver towards the stuff that you did want to work on? It just gets, it's so all over the place. Like from there, I got to work on uh, some friends through Adam Films, which I think might have been involved with Comedy Central or something. They got to do a web show called Video Game Reunion, which was a, a comedy. And it was about all the old 80s video game characters having like a big reunion. You know, I was on the the writing staff for that, and then I, you know, helped out in some of the assistant editing on it, and uh, so that, and that was cool. That was a really cool project to be part of. You know, it didn't blow up or anything, but, like, you know, it has its fans, and it was fully scripted, and it was, it was a cool show. I mean, it sounds um, interesting. Could you imagine, like, Mario and Luigi meeting up with Princess again and being like, hey, what you been up to? Right, right. Had so this like, feeling for, you know, like totally. Yeah. I could see it being cats. like a Bravo kind of, uh, you know, throwing <laughs> chairs and whatnot. Like a, what is it? What do they call those? Like the after show recaps oh, right. kind of deal. Yeah, like so that would be fun. Yeah. So it was like, it was kind of filmed like The Office. And it was like those characters are going to have like a reunion um, panel at a convention. And then, you know, Mario is divorced from Peach and Peach is with Bowser and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> I actually want to see this now. They they should totally do a release. They'd make a killing right now. Yeah, I think I think they're working on something. I'm not totally sure what's going on with it. It might still be online though. I don't know. But but yeah, after that it was it was just I was bouncing all over to different reality shows. Nothing like huge, but just you know, uh, every time it was learning something. So I, it was a mixed bag of like, I'd be an assistant editor. I was a finishing editor. I was just an editor, uh, assist, like whatever I could get just to like pay rent, pay the bills. And that went on for a couple of years of all these just different jobs. And on the side, I would take like indie movies that really had almost no money and I was cutting them from home. I mean, with it being that hard to try to break into what you want to do, what was it that kept you going? Because I know as a, as a freelance photographer, for me, I, I did that for a good like five years. And it, when you're freelancing, that's it. See, you're working, you're making money. If you're not working, you make nothing. And it was just such a hard grind and I just at one point one summer I had no gigs like all my gigs fell through so I made zero dollars for for all of three months and it was just so so nerve-wracking that I was like I can't do this anymore and I got a a salaried job a part of me is like oh I sold out damn the man I sold out you know where's my artist integrity and all that jazz but then another part of me that that very like logical how am I going to survive how I'm going to pay my bills that kicked in far greater so what within you kept you just on this path so at that point i was living with my girlfriend so when i did have bad months as long as i was looking for work and i wasn't just like being you know living on the couch or whatever you know she was able to cover bills and not that we were in any way rich we had a real cheap place and like you know we were definitely living close to paycheck to paycheck at times but, you know, when she was having a hard time looking for work, I could, you know, hold, usually that was when I was working. So did she work in the industry as well? Yeah, she does. She works in uh, finance on the finance side. So then it was a little bit more stable, but still it was as each project. It could go away just as quickly as some of my shows could go away sometimes. But plenty of times I was ready to give up. And some of it is I literally have no skills to do anything else. Like I don't know how to do pretty much any other job. 
And so I'm just, I'm really useless. Like when the apocalypse happens, if I'm still alive, like I'm fucked. I don't know much <laughs> of how to do anything. And I'm pretty sure no one's going to be like, hey, can anybody edit my documentary on the apocalypse that just happened? <laughs> like that's not going to happen. So part of it was that. Like I don't really, I, I have no skills for anything else. So you're like, this um, has to work. There's no plan B. This is yeah. it. Which is, you know, a, a terrible. That's a, that's a terrible way to live because it really is scary sometimes. And then other times, like, I, I don't know what kept me going. Uh, before I got my first, like, big uh, TV job, I scripted uh, – I was an assistant editor on um, the first season of How to Get Away with Murder. I was kind of gearing up to figure out what else can I do because I, I hate this. Like, I hate the shows I was working on. Like, I've worked with some really great people, but I was just like – totally unhappy and confused about where the hell my career was going right at that moment where it just feels like it's the darkest of dark you get this opportunity to start on this show absolutely like i i think now that we're talking about it and i'm thinking about it i think it before that show it was some of the little movies and little projects i worked on that i really liked that when they were done and they came out like i was proud of whether it was i went to the premiere event for them or i just like got to see them online and I thought they looked cool. Like, you know, that is probably what kept me going while I was working all these like reality shows that just were not in any way gratifying. Your sheer determination to stay with this, even if you have no other set of skills, I still think is, it's, it's amazing, seriously, because it takes so much to make it out there and not get distracted, you know, right. and, not, and not feel discouraged. So I, I applaud you. I 100% applaud you for, for accomplishing what you've accomplished. It's phenomenal. How did you actually get connected with working on How to Get Away with Murder? So, uh, well, first uh, I'll say uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. thanks. That, that's a nice thing to say. And yeah, I, I, I will say I probably, I don't know if I would have survived and gotten as far as I got without my wife like without my wife being there with and for me because um you know at the time my girlfriend but um you know we're now married with uh with a kid as we talked about earlier and <laughs> you know I don't know what what would have happened if I was just here completely on my own because I also had you know a close friend of mine moved out here with me so there was that too like the people that come out here completely with no one and all on their own like that is fucking hard and like it it's impressive that they you know are they get successful because that is not easy to do when you don't know anybody at all or just like have someone that you've known a long time to like go get a beer with when you're just in a bad mood so so yeah so support community having like that little community will keep you going even yeah all right how, how did i get so i think it was the third or fourth person i met in Los Angeles when I first got here, which at that point, God, it, it had been a, like a while ago, less than 10 years, but getting close to 10 years. Uh, he, we stayed in touch here and there. And he said, Hey, I remember last time we had lunch. He hit me up like over the phone. He was like, I remember last time we had lunch, maybe a year ago, you'd mentioned you wanted to get more into scripted TV. I just got this job offer that I'm going to turn down because I, I, I've already taken a job, but uh, do you want me to send your resume in? And it was um, for the uh, the assistant editor position on How to Get Away with Murder season one. 
for uh, this wonderful editor, uh, Julia Grove. And I met her and, you know, we talked for a few hours. Like we just met for a beer to kind of talk and, you know, see if I'm a good fit, see if I have the skills and knowledge and we just get along. Truthfully, I left there thinking she was awesome. Like she's really cool, but I just assumed I wasn't going to get it. Like why? You know, having at that point been out here for a while, it was just, it's too good to be true. Like this would really like be amazing if I got it. But if I get too excited about getting it, it's going to be too depressing when they tell me I didn't. Mm, So you set the bar Um, low. Yeah. I was just like, I probably won't get it. And that's like, I was like, that's okay. Like at least they got the interview. The interviews, that's a big deal. I hadn't gotten an interview that big in a while. So I think it was a couple of weeks later, well, like a week later, I met with the the post coordinator and the post producer uh, and the post supervisor. And even then I was like, OK, I know they're meeting other people, though. Now I'm not the only one. So we'll see. God, and it sounds I like dating. A, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, uh, if I remember, I was dropping a hard drive off of this movie that I was finishing, like teeny tiny little indie movie that I, I loved working on. Like I love I especially I've worked on a few like ultra indie horror movies and I love it. Like, like that's a a personal passion. So it makes me very happy even if, you know, I'm not making much off of it. And as I got out of my car, my phone rang and I didn't know the number, but I answered it. And it was, you know, the show telling me that I got hired. Oh, that's so cool. Were you jumping up and down in the parking lot with people or just sort of like, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah. I was (laughs) really like, I was kind of in shock. Like I assume they were just being courteous and like I had to like replay the whole conversation in my head that I I thought I had gotten. They told me they didn't pick me. And I'm like, wait, no. But he said I was hired and gave me a start date. And like, yeah, it was really it was really weird. It was surreal. Listening to your story, it really boils down to not letting go of a dream that you've had, obviously, since you were a kid. And even when it seemed so far away, just revisiting that passion and not giving up and and even in the hardest time having support, whether it was your girlfriend, now wife, to friends. And just so it's about really, you know, passion and community that kind of fed you. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, it's still like I'm still there's times I'm just working and I'm like kind of in shock that I got this far. I'm like, holy crap, like I'm actually like doing this, like a bunch of people like watch stuff I work on. It's, It's crazy. I do. I watch your work. Congrats, man. Thanks. Thank. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the biggest one I've done up to date, I was the editor on the murder uh, episode of the Scandal of Murder crossover episodes. I loved that. I thought the pairing of um, Annalise with, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on Carrie Washington's character's name right now. What? Olivia Pope. Yes. Yeah. There we go. I was, I was like, giving, Sam. I was giving you time. I'm like, I'll wait. I'll wait You're it very, out. I'll see. I appreciate that. You're very kind. <laughs> no, I did. I love I loved the play on, you know, these two strong black women and the vulnerability that was allowed to happen in the, in the different scenes and the way that they would edit things and the way that the camera would pan a certain way and, you know, it, what they were focusing on. It was just a beautiful touch. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, no, that was that was awesome. It was super. It was hard work because it was such a big episode and but it was awesome to get to cut them and like i got the scene with um 
Olivia Pope and uh, Annalise's mom, who Cicely Tyson plays. Uh, which I thought that scene is just beautiful. It's such a wonderful scene when uh, they're in the courthouse, but they're in the bathroom because she had spilled uh, some soup on uh, Olivia's jacket. Oh yes, and, uh, it's while uh, Annalise is in court in the, at the Supreme Court, like giving her speech and stuff. Yeah, um, actually waiting on some information before she gives that huge, insane speech at the end of uh, acting Act Five of that episode. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's you. <laughs> that's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 No, it's stuff like that. I'm like, holy fuck! Like, I fucking was part of that. Like, it's awesome. That's so and uh, you know everybody like you know the director did an amazing job and the writers did a phenomenal job. And, oh, like, of our, course. I mean, our showrunner cool. just you know like did such great work just working at it to make it the best possible episode it could be. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a collaboration. Like nothing, none of these pieces can stand alone so it's definitely about collaborating with the right people actors all the way through to you know the right grip everyone's role is is important and so when it comes together it comes together beautifully so yeah i really did enjoy that episode yay no that's awesome i'm happy to hear that (laughs) everyone uh including production pas up to the top everybody worked real hard on those looking ahead well, where do you see yourself? What do you want to do? Oh my God! Like, uh, you know, I tell me about know. your like, Flavia plan. <laughs> right, right. I, so much of my life has just been like, oh, that was an accident, but I, it worked out. It took a couple years, but it worked out. You know, I there's so much television being made, so many different TV shows, and all the different streaming services, and so many cool things, and uh, insane amounts of reboots and like genre stuff and i don't know like i'm on the final season i had to go away with murder and after it wraps i'm gonna just be hitting everybody up and trying to find work but it would be awesome to you know uh i would love to get on like an action series something i haven't done as much like comedy or action the the dream would be if i could get uh onto uh the mandalorian or one of the the star wars shows that are going to show up on disney plus just because i mean the beginning of everything was me playing with my star wars figures in a polaroid camera so like that would be just like phenomenal epic, to like, yeah epic full circle right right but truthfully no like i'm i'm super open and I, I don't know where I'll be and it'll be awesome when I get there. What advice would you offer anyone looking to get into what you do? Man. So I get asked this, you know, I've done a few talks at colleges and stuff about like to film classes about editing and post-production and all that. It's, it's so hard. I think the, the, the biggest thing is attitude. Be pleasant to work with. I've run into many people who are like, uh, and I get it. You're upset that you're not doing what you want to do. But when you start taking that out on everyone around you, a lot of people aren't going to want to work with you. And so many times they're not doing it on purpose. You know, they're not trying to be rude or just come. They come off as rude sometimes and they don't mean to. But it's like you got to be, you know, a pleasant and like just happy to work. I mean, it's cool. It's hard to get these jobs. And when you have one, it's pretty awesome. So would you think then it's it's, rude? I don't know. (laughs) No, it sounds honest. I think that's the place where a lot of times people sugarcoat things when it comes to how to approach work. 
And that's the basics. Like I remember when I was getting into TV news, you took any job you could get. Like you weren't turning it down just because you're like, well, I really want to be a reporter or whatever it was that you really wanted to do, but you didn't want to start off as like a videotape operator. Like my first job in news was a videotape operator. I literally recorded a VHS size tape and ran it over to the control room from the feed bay deck. And that's, and I was making like six bucks an hour, like way less than what I was making as a freelance photographer. But I knew that if I wanted to get into this industry, I had to start somewhere. And I think I agree with you. And it's all about attitude. People don't want to work with someone who's difficult. Like you spend so much time in the office. So if you're nasty, I don't want to spend that many hours with you, you know? So I don't right, think it was right. rude. It's, it's, it's real. Doing uh, 10 to 14 hours a day sometimes. And you want somebody who's, I get it. Sometimes you're just like, yeah, it is a rough day. But generally you want somebody that, you know, knows their job, but also isn't at all times like upset about it. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I think so much of it is, um, yeah, it's attitude and, and the willingness to work. Yeah. 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 And, and, and learn like, you know, while yes. you're working, just every job, no matter how menial, no matter how insane or just how poor it was, I learned something from it, whether it was something about myself or whether it was just something technical. I always walked away knowing, okay, I'm, I'm better at what I do because of this. Final notes. <laughs> <laughs> Love is? Family. What is one book everyone should read? One book everyone should read is The Phantom Tollbooth. Oh, that's a good one. I have the movie poster, an original movie poster in my daughter's room. It was the first book my mom read to me, I think. It's the first one I remember my mom reading to me. Well, a bonus one. What is one, one? Okay, don't give me a list. What is one film you think everyone should see? One film everyone should see? Whew. Um, you know, I'm going to say a movie that barely gets watched. Uh, it's a Japanese film called Giants and Toys. I fucking love that movie and, um, more people should see it. What song would be the theme music to your life? What song would be one, one song would be the theme music yeah. to my life? Yeah. Oh, Misfits Where Eagles Dare. What is your motto? Oh my God. I've never had a motto. I guess uh, we're all in it together. Oh, that's a, oh, look at you dropping gems and you, you didn't even know you had. <laughs> totally stole that. I, it's, a, it's a line I, I say all the time and I stole it from the movie Brazil. What are you most grateful for? I, most grateful, I mean, now, like my daughter. Like if I say anything else, I think I get killed legally. I think I get arrested or something. So, yeah. <laughs> My my little three month old daughter, I mean she's crazy and I've cried trying to deal with her. But um, yeah, I'm also it's it's amazing. The power of a three month old that can bring a grown man to tears. Oh my god, yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Chris. This has been amazing. Oh yeah, no problem. I'm glad uh, we were able to do it. So where can people find you? What what other projects you got going on? Uh, where can people find me at? I'm on. LinkedIn, but otherwise, like I'm not really a social media guy so much. 
But I do have a few things coming up. The premiere of How to Get Away with Murder is September 26th. I don't I haven't worked on that episode, but that's the premiere of our new our final season. My first episode will premiere on 10-10. I have the third episode. There is a book series called My Favorite Horror Film, and parts two and three will be releasing in October, and I'm going to be featured in part two. And it's a collection of essays from people that have worked on horror movies, big and little horror movies, and we just, you know, you write a few pages about our favorite horror movie. But in September, Turner Classic Movies will be playing a documentary I edited called Cinemability, The Art of Inclusion, which is a really cool documentary about the history of disability portrayals in film and television from the beginning of film and television up until uh, close to present day. Yeah, we kind of discuss what the what those portrayals were and how they affected society for both good and bad for the disabled and different, you know, different disabled communities it was it was awesome i worked with uh this director jenny gold she was great producer sam reed who is amazing and jenny is i think one of if not the only female director in the dga with a physical disability it was just amazing to get to work with her it's a really great project and a cool movie it is available on Amazon, you can buy it and watch it digitally or just get a DVD if you're more old school. I guess that's old school now, getting DVDs. Isn't that funny? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I think, what, maybe five years ago, I actually had a DVD player. And now it's like, oh, streaming. I don't need to own any of this. And right. what happen? like, what's going to happen when that disappears? Then what? I don't know. I, I think it's just all going to like be zapped into our brain and we just have to like blink three times to the next channel or uh, who knows. I'm not here for that at all. You're not putting, <laughs> you're not putting a chip in my brain. No, thank you. <laughs> I'll have to sit that one out. <laughs> right. Thank you for listening to Sammy Sometimes, a podcast. It's very much appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. You can follow me on all social media platforms at chasing underscore Sammy. Until next time.